Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite Georgetown Hoyas basketball podcast. And back, it's been a while. We got Andrew Geiger, casual Hoya, and Bed Standing from The Athletic. Guys, it's been a minute. We're back. We are out of quarantine, and we are back. Are we? No. Well, I guess we're sheltering in place. Sheltering at home? I, I did I did something today. <laughs> I did something a couple hours ago I haven't done since March 10th. That was drive more than five blocks from my house just to do anything. I drove from my house to Capital One Arena just to make sure it was still there. It is. And uh, I returned. That, that, that was my adventure for the month. I, I saw that you had documented that on, on the Twitters, and I was uh, – I think I replied. I'm not exactly thrilled that it is still there. You know, perhaps the only way we can actually get a new arena is if something actually happened to the Capital One Arena. Uh, that is one way to one way to look at it. Um, but yeah, and it was, because it was, we're, we're already, as, as far as any reconfiguration to the arena to account for any social distancing measures that may need to be taken, I don't think we'll actually have a problem with that either. <laughs> right. Obviously, I'm 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 aware consciously that nobody is out and about, but like I drove during what would be rush hour from my house to the arena, which if I did that during normal times, it would take me an hour, give or take, just because of traffic. And today it took 25 minutes. Uh, it was mm-hmm. uh, quite quite open roads. Yeah. Just to yeah, I mean, I can speaking for New Orleans, it's um. You know, it's it's a little bit odd. I will say, you know, I did drive around the other day just to see what was going on. The French Quarter is a complete ghost town, which is to be expected because there's no, you know, there's no tourism right now. Um, but in the other parts of town, there are certainly cars in the road. Like, I'm not really sure where people are going um, and whatnot. But you would have thought that it might have been like an average Tuesday today, uh, based on how many cars were on the road. Um, but downtown, you know, where visitors normally come. There's nothing going on. When can I expect the casual Hoya face mask to arrive in the mail? You know, someone someone actually asked me about that. Uh, yeah, I'm doing it right now. They said, well, they said, you know, instead of, you know, bringing the casual headbands back, maybe you should do casual face masks. I don't know, man. I see, I see people marketing various NFL logos and, and such on face masks. I think it's, it's perhaps kind of tasteless to try to do anything about that, but I guess it is good branding. I, I saw somebody I know who does sort of like PR for a living and they had their uh, company branded on the thing. I, I guess if, I mean, obviously you you typically give out the headbands, I think, but like if you did, I guess if you did something where it was like, you know, buy this and the donations go to some, you know, COVID-19 charity, that could be one way to do it. But, yeah, so other than that, it's a little to have, like, a the actual casual logo on a mask it might be a little uh, a little off. Yeah, Andrew. well, the last, time the, uh, the last time the site did any sort of fundraising initiative, it was for the Thompson Center. I think we actually raised a fair amount of money for it. Um, in hindsight, though, based on what's happened since, the Thompson Center was built and opened, and the lack of results it has produced on the court. I'm not sure that was the greatest initiative, but certainly open to uh, any and all endeavors uh, moving forward. Are you guys 
makeshift face face mask guys when you uh, go out or did you buy something i'm currently got the bandana look like i'm robbing a train in 1800s uh i i, I, I that was the part that confused me like when this when, when it became like we went from like no face mask to face mask and all of a sudden everybody had something i'm thinking like well wait how did this happen like what do you do i told this to a friend of mine whose girlfriend is on top of stuff and she got me like a, a 50 pack I bet, through some organization that I then made a donation to, to, <laughs> to uh, thank them for doing whatever they do. So uh, I'm, I'm set. I've only used like two in the two weeks since I've had it. Cause I basically haven't left my house, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, a lot of people are going really high fashion on the face mask. Um, I, I am not one of those people. I, haven't really used it that much to be honest. I think like Ben, I'm not really leaving the house that much other than to use the, uh, the park around here, you know, bike rides, jogs, whatnot with the kids. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think face mask fashion is is something that I'm definitely seeing, um, from other people around here. And I'm just not, I'm not going to go there. Okay. Okay. So Ben, whose good work can be found at the athletic. And I believe there is some sort of a deal going on might be 90 days for free or something along those lines. So I encourage everyone to sign up and sign up through Ben and check it out. But Ben had a chance with a, a zoom, a one-on-one zoom with George Shounds. Well, currently George Shounds, Mac McClung, who is testing the NBA waters during a time where you can't really test the NBA waters. Ben, yeah, and How did let, that go? Let, let me just let me, let, well, let me just say from the outset, or at the outset, that um, you know, Bobby, obviously you've you've recorded a number of podcasts of late. We've we've discussed a few things. One of the elephants in the room, so to speak, has been the lack of discussion or uh, mention on the site or on Twitter by any of us of um, the rumors related to Mac McClung transferring from Georgetown. I, I've seen it out there. Um, but I thought it would be nice for us to get together and have, of course, Ben discuss this because he just conducted an interview with Mac. So take it away, Ben. Uh, sure. Um, it was a weird in a, just for backstory, like, um, he, he has, he has an agent now, which, you know, back in the day would be a no, no in terms of returning to school, but under the current more relaxed guidelines, that's kosher, and they reached out to see if I'd want to talk to him. And, um, you know, sometimes you get these these kinds of uh, rec- opportunities, and, you know, you, you send an email back maybe that day, the next day. This one, like, I called back within eight seconds because the idea of getting not, – not that McClung is Patrick Ewing the player, but, like, you know, it's pretty hard to get a Georgetown player for, for any type of one-on-one access. So I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, even though I was in the middle of, like, the NFL draft and doing 20 things. Um, but we worked it out. We, we, we set up a Zoom call. Um, ironic based on the conversation that didn't happen or that, that happened off air before we started this podcast. I was late for that, for that call. <laughs> um, of course you were. This is why, see, now you understand my paranoia. So anyway, right. so, um, uh, but when we talked to him, he's, you know, I mean, I don't know. I assume people grasp this, haven't seen him in interviews or maybe been around him on campus or whatever. You know, he's very much of a, of a yes, sir, kind of a, kind of a kid, but very polite. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't expecting um, major headlines or, or, or some some wow quote out of him, and, and that's fine. 
But, uh, you know, we talked for a while. He was at ease about the whole conversation, tried to talk about, you know, how he's dealing with quarantine. You know, he went from being independent in college to back home. That's got to be kind of weird. Uh, his hair was a topic during the season um, and uh, and uh, got to see what's going on with that. He's changed the color a little bit, things like that. And then, obviously, we got into the season and got into his um, decision to test the waters. And, um, you know, uh, I, I we, we can get into whatever quote he says as, as you see fit. I guess my just thing going into it was, I get it. He, he's got this opportunity. You know, he, he's a known commodity, which a lot, we can't say for a lot of college players, regardless of how good or, or, or bad one thinks he is, or not bad, but how good one thinks he is relative to, to going to the NBA. So, you know, he doesn't his name doesn't come up on draft boards, but he's obviously got some athleticism for sure. And, you know, what, what, what the heck, if you can do it, you know, go ahead and, and do it, even though he missed a bunch of games at the end of the year. Uh, and so in talking to him, you know, he, I, I, I think he thinks he has a shot. I, I don't say that like they say that he thinks he's going to, that he's going to stay in the draft, but I don't, you know, I don't think he's doing this completely on a whim. I, I think he's, my, my sense of what he was saying was, why not me? Um, well, why, why shouldn't I, why can't it just be, my my opportunity and and we'll see what happens. But a lot of guys test the waters and come back, and uh, you know there, there's a lot of reasons to imagine he would come back, at least to college basketball, like you're saying. But um, but yeah, I, I think you know my basic thought was he he legitimately wants to to, to see this. this isn't just the hell of it. I think he wants to see what they say to him. Okay, I mean, and I think when he announced his intentions, it, it certainly didn't come as a surprise to me at all, because uh, as you mentioned, there's zero downside. Um, I think what Hoyas fans perhaps are more concerned with now are the rumors. And I'll just call them rumors because I don't even know where the source is coming from um, that he may like to transfer from Georgetown. Uh, I personally don't buy the rumors uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, number one, because it really just doesn't make sense for him and, and his future. If he's testing the waters now, why transfer out, put yourself in a situation where you have to learn a new offense? Uh, I also don't think he's going to be getting the same opportunity for minutes and certainly shots on any other team than he would be getting next year with Georgetown. He has a good relationship with Ewing, uh, as we know. I mean, Ewing kind of plucked him from Gate City. He had initially committed to Rutgers and, you know, chose Georgetown after that. Plus, from what I understand, he's he's a pretty good student. So, you know, obviously you wonder if someone's considering transferring, whether they can cut it academically at, at a school like Georgetown. I don't believe that's the situation here. So I don't see any reason why it makes sense for from a basketball perspective for him to transfer from Georgetown, especially looking forward to a season where, He'll be a junior and be the guy on the team. Uh, you know, the offense is likely to center around him. And, again, he's just not going to get as many opportunities playing for any other program. I will say, I guess, the one wrench that has been thrown into all of this is uh, this one-time waiver that the NCAA is considering, the one-time transfer waiver where uh, someone can play from the get-go next season without having to sit out a year. They're supposed to vote on it 
one site I saw said they're supposed to vote on it sometime in May. Then I saw it wasn't going to be until January of 2021. I'm not sure what the status is of all that. But assuming kids are allowed to transfer and not sit out a season, he could, in theory, pick a spot where he thinks perhaps he has the chance for more exposure, more minutes, more shots, perhaps a better chance of making the tournament uh, and go there. I just don't see it. He's not in the transfer, port, transfer portal yet, um, and the, the clock is ticking. So uh, I, I don't see where it makes sense for McClung at all to transfer, and I haven't seen any source on the Internet that I trust that has suggested that he is transferred. Yeah, so uh, – well, sorry, Bobby. I'll let you talk at your podcast. But just to say, like, I didn't ask him about not coming back to Georgetown in terms of transferring because of, if that rumor was out there at that point, we talked it wasn't. two weeks ago at this point. Yeah, so, I mean, I, that wasn't a topic that we discussed. I mean, it sounded to me like he was going to, you know, go back. We I, I said, like, we talked about what, what that team has coming back, you know, should he return and all that. So, I didn't get that sense that he was itching to go, which isn't to say no, but – I mean, you know, how these, I mean, I, I get where, like, for you, you know, for, for fans, the rumor mill that's even from unsubstantiated sources could mean one thing for somebody like me. Like, I, I just can't buy anything unless it's, you know, from an actual reporter. So um, I, I had no sense that he would be not going back to Georgetown if he decided to uh, not turn pro. And, and one thing I'm looking at, and Bobby, I'll let you go in a second, but one thing I'm looking at, Ben, in your in your interview, and I don't want to kind of read the whole thing obviously but in your last question as you just mentioned you said you know what is your sense of the team if you're back uh some of the language he used in the answer i thought was was positive as far as him returning to the school uh basically you know that's the biggest thing get us to come together and we could definitely have a great season that's not necessarily saying you know some sort of answer where he says yeah you know it'd be nice if everyone came back and you know georgetown would be good again He's clearly talking about an us and we uh, as as a group, as a unit that perhaps he expects to be a part of. Now, this all could be a, a tailored response as well. As you mentioned, he's got an agent. He's supposed to say the right things. But I certainly didn't pick out anything in the language he used in any of his answers in your interview with him that would indicate that he wouldn't be back at Georgetown unless he gets drafted. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I – the, at least it wasn't on my mind. And when he, when he talked about potential, you know, w- whatever sense I had of him not returning, it was because he would have decided that the NBA was what was, was the thing. And I, and I don't, I don't want to, I'm sure we'll keep talking about it and Bobby or whatever, but like, you know, he, he, the way he just, he mentioned the G league in some capacity mm-hmm. thought I, that to me was like maybe the plan C as opposed to, um, going to another school based on that, which again, don't, no, nobody freak out. I'm not saying any of that's happening, but if you were going to tell me what's an alternative path to the NBA or Georgetown, I, I might say that, but that's not to say that that was the the driving force. Just that, that would be the, I, I wasn't getting no. transfer stats at all. And, and I think, and I think the G league is, is something, I mean, I don't know what they would offer to a kid like McClung. Obviously we're seeing headlines. They're offering a bunch of five stars out of, out of high school and whatnot. Um, but McClung could bring some eyeballs to the G League, given his style of play and his um, showmanship, as it were. Uh, you know, it might be worth the G League to actually offer someone like McClung a contract just because of his um, 
history on social media, YouTube, and whatnot. But Bobby, what were you going to say about all this? Oh, hey guys. Um, <laughs> so what I was going to say, getting back to um, Andrew saying that there weren't any real basketball reasons for this. And actually before that, I'll start with, so there's a tweet out there by an account that has, you know, a decent amount of followers. I'd never heard of it. Some people claim they're always right. Some people showed that they were wrong recently, whatever. So that, at least for me, is where the McClung stuff came out. And I haven't seen anyone say anything that I would actually trust. So I've been avoiding people on Twitter. I haven't given any, when people ask me about it, I don't know anything about it. So I haven't been talking about it. But from a basketball standpoint, I would say this, and we can talk to Ben about where he thinks his pro position is. If you remember DSR tested the waters came back and a lot of people felt that his last year JT3 kind of let him play the point guard when he wasn't a point guard just because based on DSR stature that was if he was going to play pro somewhere it was going to be as a point guard right like he's too small to be a shooting guard and I think McClung kind of has the same the same path like if he's going to be in the NBA or even the G League or some European league he's more likely to be a point guard that can score rather than a smallish shooting guard. So the idea that it wouldn't make sense in another college, and I'm not suggesting he is going to go anywhere else, but in this hypothetical, if there is a conversation and the idea from Georgetown was, look, you know, you're a really good two guard. This is how we want you to play. You're not a point guard. And if his camp is just like, Hey, look, this is our path. We have to be a point guard. That's the only scenario I could see where it made sense from a basketball standpoint where, he ended up somewhere else. That's just, I'm not suggesting he's going to do anything, but that would make sense basketball wise. And Ben, is that kind of where you see his pro potential as, you know, a point guard, if he was going to play in the G league, you know, get NBA tryouts. You know, I, I, obviously I get that from like a size standpoint, like you said, but I, you know, in, in this era of basketball that we're in where positions are becoming less defined, you know, I don't even know if I would view it like a standard thing, like he's the guy with the ball in his hand sort of making the decisions and running the offense. It doesn't yeah. seem like him. I, I, I think he's, a, you know, an energy guy. I mean, I think one thing that would have been fascinating, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to sort of assume at this point that there won't be any, if, if the draft is held either on time or delayed, that they're going to be limited to no pre-draft workouts. And it would have been fun, I think, to see him in these workouts that I've witnessed before where, you know, you know it's a lot of uh, conditioning, and I think, you know, he, from an energy standpoint, I think he would have would, would, would perform very well. Obviously, he's got the athleticism. I think he would actually test well in these drills. But I think that ultimately is sort of more his role, not point guard, not shooting guard, but sort of energy guard, if, if that makes sense. And you have to figure out who else to put on the court with him to, 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 make, that, <clears throat> to make that work. Of course, if he doesn't improve his jump shot, you know, he, he said to me he recognizes like one of the ways he needs to grow. The two, the two areas he basically said were – decision-making, which, like you said, leads to the point guard and the shooting percentages, if he can't get to at least, I'm just making this up, but like 35% from NBA three, yeah. then, you know, probably don't even have much of a conversation because that's going to be tough, um, whatever. But, if he, you know, if he could do that, then, you know, at least with he's got the athleticism, you know, and I, I often find with a lot of these situations, it's the right, you know, if you get in the right spot, you could make it versus going to, you know, 20 other teams that just may not work out. So, um, I don't know if I would – I would need to see a lot more from him before I would say he could be a point guard per se, but I think there's a role for a type of player that he is 
where you have athleticism and energy. And also, like I didn't even mention defense. Obviously, that's another area where, you know, he, he needs to improve significantly. But, uh, you know, that, that one is as much, you know, focus and work as it is God-given ability. You just have to sort of figure out, you know, a way for, for yourself to, to stay in front of another guy. Well, that, and that's, that's all fine and dandy. But as far as him leaving for another destination next year in the college ranks, uh, I mean, what other program is going to slot him in as their starting point guard that is a, you know, a, a high major and one that he can succeed in? I mean, unless he's talking about just moving to some other school that isn't in, you know, an upper echelon conference where he can score 35 a game um, while being the primary ball handler, I, I just don't see that opportunity for him. Yeah, I mean, I was just I was just bringing it up as – that's the for me that's the one thing that would make sense i don't think it makes sense to transfer but that would be the one situation where i'd be like okay i guess i get it um and if that were to happen i think it would be a really bad thing for georgetown and patrick ewing based on the amount of departures that have happened but that's all just stuff that's come out and i'm sure that there's not a whole lot to that uh ben in talking with him, and obviously everyone, go subscribe to The Athletic. They have a free trial, all that good stuff. Were you a little, little surprised, and how much did you talk about his injury? Because he went from not even being in New York at the Big East tournament because I believe he had some sort of procedure or getting treatment or there, were, there was something going on to testing the waters, which, as you said, if there was real testing, it would be all about the workouts for him. So little surprised of the timing of this, given he's not healthy. Yeah, uh, for sure. He, the way he sort of discussed it was like, he's close to being back, but not that it was completely back. I remember in the moment when he, uh, when it was announced that he was going to play, I was at Seton Hall, I want to say. Uh, and he, he went and played like eight minutes and then he just said, it, you know, the, the pain got too much and he had to take himself out. I was remember thinking in that moment that I was a little surprised but he was going back, obviously, again, you know, Georgetown doesn't exactly break out the medical information, and in fairness, neither do a lot of teams in any in pro or college. But, you know, we didn't have a too much sense that he was making a ton of progress. But, okay, he wanted to try it, and obviously it didn't it didn't work out, and then he didn't come back and play. But the fact that now we talked, you know, what, what, what was it, like a month, give or take, after the, their season ended in the Big East tournament, that he was not definitively saying I'm 100%, yeah, it goes to show sort of the significance of – what what he was what he was dealing with. Um, I know I've seen some. I had some people like ask me about some. I guess there's I don't know some rumor of surgery. Again, I don't know if it's a real rumor or whatever. I didn't come up. He didn't mention it. I didn't get the sense that that happened. And plantar fasciitis. Uh, you know, again, not a doctor, but in the past, I, I I haven't really heard too much about guys having need to surgery that you can kind of wait wait that out and and uh, you know go from there. So it sounds like he'll be fine, but. Um, you know, but yes, I mean, it, it, it's sort of tricky. I, I guess the thing, though, is, though, like, even, you know, if we were under normal circumstances, he would need to be working out right now. But in terms of NBA teams, you know, those workouts really don't start happening until we get into, like, late May and June when, um, you know, the, the NBA draft would be the end of June, right after the, the playoffs end. So he would have plenty of time to sort of get ready. The question he would have would be, you know, what is his, his wind, his conditioning, you know, he, how much is he able to practice on his own? He said he was doing basketball work, 
and he was doing some swimming uh, the, the exercises that he the, that he thought was helping. But uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like it today. He had to go work out for a team that that would be ideal at the you know right now. Do we have a sense for what the McClung uh, estate is like? I'm picturing Gate City being like French Lick. I'm picturing like a like a Larry Bird situation where there's just a lot of acreage and he's got you know maybe a hoop in the dirt. Do you have any any idea what he's sort of working with? I mean, based on even some of the NBA players, they did that ESPN did that horse challenge, which was not really great. Kind of surprising at some of the lack of uh, even just like a hoop outside. Yeah, he said that he had access to a gym that was closed to the public, but I think he said like his friend's dad, I, I don't know if it was his friend's dad's gym or friend's dad had some access or whatever it was, but that there was something that he could use. And, you know, he was in there by himself. So it sounded like he had at least access to a gym. I, I specifically asked that because I had heard Jason Tatum say, the Celtics star say that uh, he hadn't even like basically touched the basketball since the season ended because wherever he lives, he doesn't have a gym. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, he's still on his NBA rookie contract. hasn't hasn't got the the big pad yet with with the court. So, uh, so I was curious about about that, especially right if you're getting ready for the NBA draft. Like, how do you how are you working out? But he said he had he had access and uh, and and that he was uh, you know doing doing that much. I, the thing I said to him was, and and he and it wasn't just him. Like all these reports that were happening around the same time that he announced of guys saying they're declaring for the draft. At, that was sort of at the height of when this whole this whole coronavirus thing started, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, are we are we doomed as a people? Like, you know, is this what what what's going to happen here? And these kids are moving forward, like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna apply to the NBA draft. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad to see somebody's optimistic about our future. I'm thinking I'm never leaving my house again. And these guys are thinking, <laughs> what's the next step? I'm gonna go to the NBA. So I, I told them that I was appreciated the positive light of his decision because it made me feel like, okay, the sun will come up tomorrow if these kids think they're going to the NBA. Yeah, I, and I wonder if he does come back, uh, assuming he does come back, what you guys think production-wise he does do next season, assuming he stays healthy. It's given hard. with given this, of course, the, the outstanding cast that uh, looks to be surrounding him. Well, you know, I think Wahab is a really solid player. You know, there was some fans still holding out hope and asking me if your seven was gone or not. And I know yesterday he officially said it, but, you know, I thought he made that pretty clear in an Instagram post about a month ago. But, right. you know, so I think I think Wahab is a solid, a solid starter five. People, whatever you think about Jamarco Pickett, I feel like he—he's the one that I'm surprised is not testing the waters. But that's another story. I don't think that you can play—I don't think you can play McClung and Blair together all that much. So McClung's production might really, a lot of it might depend on what's the point guard play, right? You lose Allen, you lose Mosley, and is the kid from Arkansas going to provide the grad transfer level play? Is Tyler Beard going to? be a good enough freshman to really run with with McClung because I don't think he's a point guard and I think you know his play is a little bit dependent on another guard like that and I don't think him and like I said I'll say it again I don't think him and Blair are great I think they're both really good college scorers I don't think they're that great together so 
you know, McClung's McClung's numbers improved from year one to year two, and they even improved in season in year two when Akinjo left. But again, he was playing with Mosley. Allen turned out to be just a really good grad transfer. So I think a lot of his production will depend on, we have no idea what the point guard situation is going to be like. Yeah, I mean, I think the point guard situation is going to be some sort of, uh, I think Jalen Harris will start uh, yeah. because this, this team is completely void of any leadership at that position with Tyler Beard and maybe even uh, Dante, Dante Harris, Harris picking up some minutes. Yeah. Um, so Mac, I, I guess, has, has the, the, the two-guard spot locked down, but there's also Blair. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you've got a, a lot of pieces. I'm not sure they all fit together, but hey, that, that's, that's what we're dealing with next year. I do agree that, um, and it's early, we'll have plenty of time to discuss this, but I, I do think Wahab is, is primed for somewhat of a breakout. Uh, he, to me, he flashed more than anyone else last season. Yeah, yeah. And I, obviously, your seven was a really good player. And if he had been healthy, who knows, they might have found a way to, you know, get over the finish line. But going back to the last game they played where, you know, the last however long that was, it felt like three hours, but the last the last 10 minutes or whatever, it just seemed, you know, why isn't Wahab going back in? You know, him and your seven, they're both centers. They can't really play together. I feel like it's probably a positive for the Georgetown program that year seven is, you know, he had this one year. He did it was a really great year until he got hurt. But I think it's probably probably, probably for the best that Wahab's going to be the guy next year, and um, I think it's going to help defensively. I think it's I think it's a positive all around. But you know, there's yeah, a, a million uh, a million unknowns, and literally a guy yesterday I'd never even heard of in my life. I think has a legitimate chance of starting when the season begins, if the season begins. <laughs> So, so just to sort of jump in on this, so to your point about the point guard play and how important that's going to be, and it's a big unknown. Obviously, the kid from Arkansas has a track record, but like you know, until you see him in your situation, you yeah. know, it's hard to know. And this and this goes to the point of McClung. What is he like? The point guard, like any other position we were discussing, center for the four or three, anything else, we wouldn't be having like, well, this is so important. How's this guy going to fit? You can figure out everything. You could play four guards too big like you can do whatever but point guard is a very specific thing and you're right I mean part of what went down with the at the end of the JT3 era was like you said DSR playing point guard not really a point guard they had to go to the Mulmores of the world who was you know it's a, a reasonable player but not exactly a um you know what was probably not a big east starting caliber point guard and so on and that was part of the the <clears throat> the issues there and and that's what makes a projecting McClung as a point guard is just it's just too hard for me to like say that he could do that based on what we've seen that's just that's not an easy transition the the, the other point that I would say is e- even though I mean Bobby and I've certainly talked about this we've maybe we probably have talked about it on this podcast the idea that hey you know Georgetown could be you know in some trouble next year when you consider your sevens leaving and and other pieces and they don't have a ton coming coming in that you would look at and go well that guy's an immediate contributor but until I really sat down before the, the, the McClung interview to really kind of look at the roster, and, and I said to him, like, hey, man, could you, like, tell me what you think is going to happen? Because when I look at this team, even <laughs> if I put you back on the roster, man, I mean, ha- more than half the guys we're imagining are going to have to play either basically didn't play last year or are freshmen coming in. And and I think that's the challenge. I mean, not not to turn this into a, a downer. I, I do think, like, for example, Wahab, his, his, his upside is interesting for sure. 
And, uh, you know, whatever. Pickett always is tantalizing. He played better at the end of the year. And, and certainly Blair and McClung can score and, uh, you know, and so on. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's not without some hope, but it's just like, wow, how do you look at this team next year and get as excited as I think maybe we were at the beginning of this year when you had, obviously, Yurtsevin coming in plus, you know, all the guys who transferred on top of the guys who stayed. Like, you know, we saw a Georgetown team that could that could do some damage. This one, at the moment, people improve, and we don't know about the freshmen, but, like, at the moment, it's like, ooh, how are they going to string together enough wins with this sort of randomness and the point guard things kind of up in the air? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I totally agree. I, I think you're looking at a, a team that – but the fan base, I think, expects is going to be predicted by most to finish at the bottom – in the bottom rung of the of the conference and uh so in a way you can only do <laughs> things can only get better right so maybe they they run off a nice streak and get into contention and this becomes one of the more lovable teams in recent memory from a performance perspective kind of like how this year's team did uh when after everyone got hurt and or left in the great defection uh but you're right ben on paper this is this is not going to be the most impressive roster in recent memory by any stretch and that's a scary thing for a program that hasn't made the tournament since what 2015 but Bobby I'll pose this question to you is it possible right now let's just assume McClung is back is it possible right now that for George that the most important player for Georgetown next year is in fact the point guard because if he's not able if we're if he's not able to be effective run that he did have a lot of assists one year at at Arkansas that that's that's interesting but like if he's able to come in and be, you know, sort of what Terrell Allen was this year. Uh, Terrell Allen was a more established player from what I get, gather. Um, if he was, if he's able to come in and do that, great. If he's more like some of the other guards that have come in in recent years when they've sort of had to fill in the blank, you know, fill in the gap, then, you know, it, it could be a struggle when you don't have, uh, you know, some, you know, obvious premier players. I almost feel like he is the both, both the big unknown and arguably the most interesting, important player on this team next year, if we're talking about a team, you know, getting to a winning record. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. The good news for Jalen Harris is um, when he was at Arkansas with Mike Anderson, plays really fast, just like Patrick Ewing likes to play really fast. So, and he's not necessarily he doesn't need to take a lot of shots. He, I know he doesn't he doesn't shoot particularly well, but he's not out there forcing the ball. So he could probably. If he plays to the level he did at Arkansas a couple years ago, he could be the perfect fit for what they want to do. A point guard that can get the ball up the court quick, get the ball moving, and doesn't need a lot of shots to stay happy. Um, and in that vein, I know that there's been some articles recently out there. I think the Chicago Sun-Times had something on Tyler Beard, who is not – that's not Georgetown's highest-rated recruit. That would be Jamari Sibley. But Tyler Beard apparently as a freshman was really good and then kind of slowed down. It's possible he's a diamond in the rough. Not a diamond in the rough, but he could play better than his... I think he's ranked like in the 160 or so type player in the country. It, but yes, it's, it's going to come down to that position. I do think that there is some potential for Tyler Beard. Not to give you the level that Mosley or Allen gave you last year as fourth and fifth year guys. Or that you hope to get out of, of Jalen Harris as another fifth year guy. But yeah, it's definitely going to come down to point guard. And... You know, they're in that position again. We're we're not going to get to see what any of these kids look like. I know Bobby's beloved Kenner League is certainly (laughs) not going to be happening this year. At least I would tend to doubt it, given the current uh, environment 
with 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 COVID and and whatnot. Um, so I don't know when we'd even get a look at these guys. We're not playing in any preseason. We don't have any vacations or <laughs> or, or work vacations like the Bahamas last year. So um, you, you're looking at perhaps the Hoya Hoop Club practice as the first time anyone will get eyes on some of these. Well, Especially do we want to go? Do we want to go as far as to predict if there's going to be a season? Well, assuming well, there's a season, I still, I still don't think there'd be Kenner League in July, and we're not right. going anywhere in August. So you're, you, well, the, that that hoop club open practice is generally in September, right? So uh, I think yeah, it was in October this year, but yeah, I I get the point. There, yeah. Well, yeah. Let me ask you guys this because I've been focusing on the NFL stuff and what they're doing and the NBA a little bit too. Like my my real question, all, everything you're talking about, which I agree would be fun to see, is about us seeing them. The real question is, how does Wahab get working with Patrick Ewing and the other coaching staff to take the next steps? That like that's the real juice. The rest of it is just sort of whatever. So how how, how does what's the? What, I'm assuming nothing can happen. That that, that these guys are just like with on the professional side that they're limited. Obviously they're limited typically anyway. Like what McClung was telling me that they were still having team meetings over Zoom and things like that. Um, but like because you can't even be in the building, I'm uh, you know that they're not doing anything, right? I assume that's the deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're all they're all taking classes online. I think Mosley posted today that today was his final class. So they're all just back where they are. Wahab is a local kid. He went to Flint Hill. So, you know, he's getting Zoom instruction from uh, Lewis Orr and trying to make the best out of it. Yeah, I mean, the the good news there is that everyone's in the same boat, though, right? It's not like there are other teams or programs, you know, getting some sort of competitive advantage on Georgetown because they can somehow gather together and and practice. At least I don't think. Somehow Duke Duke is that, right? (laughs) Somehow Duke got a waiver. (laughs) Right. True. Damn it. In terms of, like, the idea of the season, you know, obviously there's there's bigger fish than just the playing of the season. But, I mean, you know, for for professional reasons, you know, I need to try to figure out when these things are happening. You know, I I get that the pro leagues are trying to work this out as quick as they can and because they're professionals and and all that. And also there's a smaller amount of teams, you know, 30, 32 for each of these sports. I still think that's going to be a struggle for them, but I can in my head sort of envision something. I don't have a clue how on earth for college football and college basketball anybody could figure out a way to make this work in a safe environment for people who are not professionals, and you have just so many teams. I mean, in college basketball, there's, you know, 351 teams. How how could you make across the board everybody following the same rules? I, I just think that's going to be such a challenge that – I I mean, if I had to bet, I would bet nothing's happening in either of those two college sports until 2021. But, you know, obviously I'm hoping that's not the case for all kinds of reasons, but I just don't see how for college there anything can happen this year until uh, unless this whole testing situation picks up dramatically. Okay, Dr. Fauci. I'm just, like, <laughs> I mean, look, I've been trying to pay attention. <laughs> as, you know, as someone mentioned today about this whole thing, someone asked me, like, when I'd be comfortable – flying again. I mean, I'm certainly planning on flying to New York at the end of August for what I hope is my fantasy football league draft. I deem that potential travel for sure. Um, but <laughs> assuming there's no assuming there's no vaccine available by that time, I guess the question is, 
do you do you think it makes sense to potentially risk it all to get the virus when there's no vaccine out there? I don't really know what my answer to that is. I do tend to think that there you can do a lot more risky things than leave your house and get an airplane. But then again, is it worth it? Uh, so colleges are going to have to make that decision too. Are, are parents going to even want to send their kids to uh, you know a crowded campus? Are they going to want to put them in in classrooms? Even if there is social distancing, I think all of these are important factors that they're going to have to weigh. Uh, there's certainly not <laughs> any subject matter that we need to discuss in this podcast, but I, I think there is a good chance. Uh, ben, you're right. I, I, I don't know that this season is going to happen, especially, and certainly if it happens, I'm not sure it's going to happen on time. I mean, you mentioned the crowded campus. If they don't open schools, then nothing, nothing happens. They, 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 right. I mean, so the schools have to make a decision first, and then just as a basic level, you deciding to get on a plane is your decision. Somebody deciding that Georgetown, the Big East, that all these schools are having a schedule and you're going to play, essentially, that's not your decision. And that's where it becomes, like, at least, again, the professionals, they can sign a waiver and whatever. College kids, I don't know. That's a whole different level of – I don't. I, I just don't know how that how that works. It seems, you know, it's, not to bring up the topic of should these guys be getting paid, but when you factor in that they're essentially not, then it really becomes. Well, wait a minute, <laughs> you're asking people to risk their health potentially for for what? Uh, so I like you know again, yeah, I'm hoping for the I, best I, on all fronts, but I, I do think that there are ways. I mean, if they can they can certainly test kids for for their temperatures and, and whatnot before each game or every day. Uh, to make sure that the the competitions themselves are safe, um, but yeah, I mean, who, who knows? Bringing this back to McClung, and not just for him, but just in general, you know, you sort of wonder: does it make sense for a kid like that in his position, probably more of a G League guy at the moment? Do I want to spend next season in the G League getting some money? Do I want to be at a university like Georgetown where? you know, I'm still under, you know, the, the insurance for, you know, for that the school has for college basketball. There's so many d- different decisions I think that go in to the process of figuring out what you're going to do. Right. Absolutely. I think, and that's a very good point. I think the uncertainty with whether or not there is even going to be an upcoming season or if there is, is it abridged or, or whatever that has to be part of the calculus for, for all of these kids who are, considering whether to stay in the draft or entertain the G league or, or, or come back to school. I, I, it just makes perfect sense. It's, it's, they're not getting any younger. Um, and if they're not going to have a stage to display their skills, like college basketball, then why wouldn't they go to the G league at this point, especially if they have designs on going pro anyway, after a year. Yeah. I mean, of yeah. course the question is, is the G league even going like the NBA? I get they're going to try, but like, Again, part of the—I mean, I don't—I'm not trying to—we're not trying to be Dr. Fauci, but part of this issue is, if there's not widespread testing, then the idea that any of these leagues would be able to test, as you said, you would need to probably test everybody every day. Well, how does that fly? How are you testing all these people every day, but the general populace isn't getting it? That—that's part of the thing. If you get the testing up, not only is it good to know what is happening in our country. It's important for the for the look of the whole thing, if nothing else. Like now, now the justification for testing these players is 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 more reasonable. But like you know, we saw the reaction when the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Utah Jazz are getting tested, and everybody's like, "Whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute! How are they getting tested when you just told us there's no tests? 
but their whole team got tested in 10 seconds. So like, you, and now again, we're talking the entire 351 division one teams for, for bass for basketball. That's why this whole testing thing, it isn't, this is not a political topic. This is just, if you want these things to happen, then this needs, this, this element must improve significantly to, in my opinion, to justify you know, for the colleges, the pros, again, maybe a little bit different, fewer teams, but in the, in this level, I, I mean, that to me has got to change. Otherwise I just, you know, again, it's hard to see how, how we get there. Yeah. And as far as the, the timeline goes for colleges to make the decision as to what they're going to do in the fall, I mean, that has to be coming up as well. I mean, I know you can easily say, Oh, we're in April and the season's not going to start till November or whatever, but I mean, these universities need to, make decisions about what they're doing coming up in the fall pretty soon here. I would have, I would have to think you're looking at something in the next 60 days. I mean, they, parents and they have to know what, what's going on with, with the fall semester by the end of June. And, and by the way, like to that point, I talked about this with McClung, like, you know, right now everything is just sort of loose in the air. We don't know what the NBA's schedule is. If, if the NBA just cancels the season, then they could effectively have the draft like they've had it at the end of June. Free agency starts Jan- July 1st and we move forward. But if the NBA figures out a way to do some sort of playoffs or whatever, and then shoves everything back a month or two. So wait, now you're Georgetown. Do you, what are you doing? The draft is not going to now happen until August. You have to make like, what I think I saw your, uh, your, your scholarship tables right now. Georgetown has one open. Well, if McClung doesn't come back somehow, that's two open, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd want mm-hmm. to fill that. So, how do you do that? How do you know what to do? I know Otto Porter was a late was a late signing, but that's you know a pretty rare circumstance, especially for a player who's who's good. So, what do you do? You know, and and we're only focusing on McClung. This is obviously happening across the country as players are, are contemplating that. So, that's like another part of this is how do you, you know, look at some things. I guess maybe you're just going to get screwed. But how do you weigh that way? Does this guy coming back or not? And how do we factor that into we want to try to be competitive next year? Do I have room to bring in other players or not? Yeah, uh, you're, you're totally right. I mean, it might make sense for Georgetown to keep that flexibility, uh, to keep that scholarship open rather than give it to someone who may not have any real impact uh, either next year or, or moving forward. Um, let, why don't we end here as, with just this question, and it'll just be a yes-no answer from, from everybody, but have we seen – Mac McClung play his final game in a Georgetown uniform? Yes or no? Bobby? No. Ben? P- part of me wants to see yes, just to be contrarian, <laughs> but I mean, logically, I, I just can't. I-, I would have to imagine the answer is that he would be back, so no. Yeah, and I, I think I'm going no as well. I- I- and it's obviously contingent upon there being a, a season coming up, because I do think if there's any risk of the college basketball season being canceled, then it just makes practical sense for him to do something where perhaps he can get paid. But you're right again, Bobby, assuming the G League plays as well. I mean, who knows? But I'm going to go no for now. Wow. A three-game sweep. Hey, Ben, do you remember the last Georgetown home game? I got into the Jay Wright press conference, like right at the end. And I asked a question, and you looked at me like, "What the hell?" Do you remember what? Do you remember what I asked? I feel like I look at you like that often. So uh, well, no, that's I true. Don't remember specifically? 
I, no, I was doing was the, the I was doing the AP report and I got in there at the very end and I asked him a COVID question and you looked at me and you were like, what? You know, and at that, at that time it was sort of like, oh, there's this thing, you know, and maybe games might start happening without fans for a couple of weeks. And that seems like five years ago that I asked that question. Just, it was, for me, I wasn't super interested in the answer. It was something that I had to do. And it, it, it's crazy how far we've come. I think that game was like March 7th, right? So we're almost two months Perfect. away. And, uh, you know, Jay, Jay Wright said something like, oh, we're going to like wash our hands more. I think everything's going to be fine. Those were far simpler yeah. times. I, th- I think I remember that to the degree of thinking about it from like, wait, why are you as a casual Hoyer asking that question? But for the AP, I get it. Uh, I, at the end of February, I was in, I was flying back and forth to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. And I do remember at that point, like starting to be like, wait, what's going on here? What What's this extra thing? I never get, I know this is not the flu, but like I never get flu shots. I, I just, whatever. This year I did in part because this thing started to happen. And again, I understand the flu shot has nothing to do with this, but you know, at that point I was like, ah, I don't know what's going on. If I'm about to travel, fine. Let me take the flu shot and just, you know, do what I can. I don't remember at the combine feeling like I was, yeah, freaked out or whatever, but it was still like, Hey, what's going on here? What, what what's the deal with this? And then, yeah. And then, Pretty quick, it was like, oh snap! M- March tenth, that was the last Wizards game I went to, or, or maybe it was March 9th, But March tenth was like the last day I basically was among the among the free. <laughs> I, uh, I I I I went in then, and uh, yeah, it that seems like eighteen years ago at this point. Yeah, well, guys, we've almost made it to fifty episodes of Kente Corner. This is forty-seven. Everyone can subscribe if you aren't already doing so on Apple, Spotify. Google, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Like us, subscribe, give us a comment. Casual Hoya and at Ben Standing. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hoya Saxa. Peace.